Hi, hello, it is Josh Bow, one of the many editors over at MavsMoneyBall.com, coming to you with another edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. This time, a celebratory one as the Mavericks defeat the Minnesota Timberwolves in Dallas, 110-108, to snap the Mavericks' very short two-game losing streak uh, after the Mavericks dropped consecutive games uh, on a back-to-back to Philly and Charlotte. The Mavericks play a red-hot Minnesota team that is that was nine and one in their previous 10 games, a game and a half back of Dallas from the fifth spot, a very crucial game for the Mavericks to win. Despite the fact that the Mavericks have been seemingly winning almost all of their games since the all-star break, they really needed this one to avoid any potential play in traps. Uh, Cause believe it or not, the Mavericks are, are very much in danger of falling into the plan if they don't take care of business uh, in the final couple of weeks of the season. So very crucial game, a very interesting game. Uh, and by interesting, I mean hideous at times, uh, an ugly game. But I'm here, uh, as you can tell, since I'm starting off the spiel of the podcast, uh, no Kirk tonight, resting his vocal cords as he's been under the weather uh, the last couple of days. So I'm with our staffer uh, and do-it-all staffer, Matthew Phillips. Matthew, thanks for joining me. Yes, sir. In honor of Kirk, I will say hello, friends, because uh, he says that every time. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I appreciate it. Your attention to detail is always is always top notch, um, and that's why we like having you come on. You know, we, even if one of us isn't sick, it's always nice to have you come on and and, and join the show. Um, I just want to bounce it to you. What were your kind of immediate takeaways from this game? Where is the area you want to talk about the most? Because it was a very back and forth kind of roller coaster game. And then of course the final, you know, three minutes of this game, we could probably just do the whole entire podcast on that. So, so where do you want to start and what was uh, like a standout to you? Well, before we get to that, um, the Mavs really, they really, they only played seven. Well, they played eight guys, including Maxi, but the seven guys outside of like the main seven guys, um, cause Frank played seven minutes and green played 12 minutes. So outside of them, they only played seven other guys. And of them, everyone except for Maxi scored at least 15. Like, this was one of the most balanced scoring games the Mavs have had all year. And it was just a stark contrast to the last game against Charlotte, where, like, we just played a ton of people who should not be on an NBA roster, let alone in an NBA rotation. Um, like, I know we finished the first quarter with Luca, uh, Josh Green, Trey Burke, Davis Bertans and Marquise Chris and then today you see it like with Bullock being back with Dinwiddie being back there's just there wasn't anybody that was incompetent out there unless you want to talk about Max Cleaver's offense but at least he still brings defense yeah totally and it's it's kind of crazy to see how short the rotation is and I don't know what that says about them closing the season and like potentially you know is there potential for tired legs going to the playoffs? But that's, I feel like that's something like there's not really any way around it. They kind of have to play these, you know, this is what they have to do if they want to win games and close the season strong and try to get home court. So, uh, you know, the coaching staff and, and kid can only really play the roster that they have in front of them. And he's playing the guys that deserve to play right now. Uh, it's pretty obvious when you watch them and wins. And and then, like you said, watching that Charlotte loss, it, it's such a stark difference having Dinwiddie and, and Bullock back. Um, man, yeah, I, I guess we should yeah, – go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, um, so Kirk likes to use uh, random old movie quotes. 
So uh, the one for me that, that stands out is uh, it, if you go back to the Titanic, when they're talking about once they realize the ship is going to sink, is going to sink, they go through and they talk about it. It can stay afloat with, with up to four compartments flooded. I kind of feel like that's like Luca can carry the team with one or two people that can't play on offense. But when you give him up to four, like it's just when there's nobody else out there that can do it, it just doesn't work. Um, there's that. And then also just, the Western Conference is just crazy because when Steph got hurt, I legitimately thought there was a tiny chance that the Mavs might make it all the way up to third. But tonight was super important because if the Jazz had, the Jazz lost, for those of you who don't follow, uh, if the Jazz had won and the Mavs had lost, anything above fifth would have been pretty much out of question and seventh would have been incredibly likely, which given how well the Mavs have played for how long they've played is the West is just stunning, and it's it's crazy because it started the year with a lot of people saying that the East had caught the West, and just through a variety of other things, they just haven't. The West is still just ridiculously good, and it puts the Mavs in a really tough spot, and that's why they have to buckle down and just play, you know, seven and a half guys, basically. Yeah, for sure. It's it's absolutely wild if you just go to, like, a, uh, any standings page and you look at the last ten in the Western Conference, and it's like six and four, seven and three. Eight and two, nine and one, seven and three, six and four. Uh, it's just, it's wild. Basically, every team in the West, uh, besides the Lakers, has been winning the second half of the season. So yeah, this game was incredibly important. Like we, like you said, they were Minnesota was nine and one entering this game on fire. Carl Anthony Towns had a sixty point game, and like the last week, Anthony Edwards is a, just an emerging superstar, uh, and they just have a lot of guys. Like every time I watch the Timberwolves, I just think. They just have some depth, some sneaky depth on this roster, like that just has talent. Like, like, uh, like Beasley is a kind of guy that kind of gets lost in the shuffle, and he only had seven points on five shots. But he's like a guy that can like get them twenty, uh, and that's not out of the out of the question for him. And you know, Vanderbilt is a really nice rebounding defensive defensive forward, and you know, Prince is okay. You know, he's a serviceable wing off the bench and Reed is an okay backup big. And like, they just have guys that you throw out that they just keep throwing out there to surround towns and Edwards and, and Russell. And it's just, it's kind of impressive, I think. Uh, but for whatever reason, the Mavericks seem to play the Timberwolves pretty well. Um, if you remember the game, the last time these two teams met was when the Mavs had all their, their COVID outbreak and the G league Mavs basically beat uh, a Wolves team that had towns and, and Russell. So, for whatever reason, the Mavericks seem to play them okay, but I mean, this was obviously more of a rock fight than that previous effort. Um, I mean, we could talk about, yeah, the fact Lucas scored 15 points in 38 minutes and the Mavericks won. Uh, and it was very interesting to me watching this game. And the key, we haven't said this a lot about a lot of Mavericks games, especially wins, but the key to this was Luca kind of keeping uh, a level head and not trying to take over the game. And just letting the other guys continue to make plays because they were making plays. Powell was a perfect 8 of 8 from the floor. It scored 22. Bullock was 6 of 11 from 3. He had 18. Uh, Brunson had 15 on 10 shots. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith had 15 on 11 shots. And Luca was struggling so much early. Like, you could see the Wolves and, you know, Patrick Beverly in particular. They were trying to goad Luca into, I think, playing, like, hero ball. Uh, and I think they wanted him to try to do that, you know, on a night he was struggling. And I think credit for, for Luca, credit to the coaching staff and credit the role players. They, for the most part, there were some creaky moments, but they stayed the course and it paid off with Bullock and Finney Smith hitting all those threes in the fourth quarter. 
Yeah. So with that, one of the stats that I'm always curious to see that I've I've followed for a long time is the amount of assists the team has outside of Luca. And they had 27 assists tonight. Luca had 10 of them, but they had six other players that had multiple assists. And so I really thought they did a really good job of pinging the ball around after Luca drew because they paid a ton of attention to Luca. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the other stuff, Luca did a great job of holding his composure. He this was a game that he very easily could have gotten a technical, but he didn't. And he did a really good job of just playing. And I thought this was a really good defensive game from Luca. Like I thought that he was as engaged defensively as I have seen him. He didn't really have a lot of defensive stats, but he had a lot of deflections. Um, I think he only had one steal. It doesn't show that he had a block, but this was just, he was very engaged on that end. And what I really thought this was for, for Luca, the game generally comes so easy for him. Like it's so easy and everything and it's breathtaking to watch, but this was kind of a game where he got to figure out how the other half lives in that the game wasn't easy for him tonight by any stretch of the imagination, but he fought through it. And a lot of times it can be fun to see your heroes have to struggle and fight. It can be a lot more rewarding when you see that as opposed to just everything coming incredibly easy for them. Yeah, totally. And you make a good point about his defensive effort. I think almost every Maverick that played had a pretty solid defensive showing. I mean, the Timberwolves by a smidge shot under 40% as a team. They were 35% from three. Like the Mavericks really contested them well and the only reason why this game was so close was because the mavericks actually lost a turnover battle for once not by a lot but the wolves only had nine the mavericks had 11 uh that's rare the mavericks usually always win the turnover battle uh because they're one of the lowest turnover teams in the league uh and the timberwolves uh made 23 free throws compared to the mavericks 16 uh, and the 29 attempts to the mavericks 21 so uh minnesota just kind of ground the game out and tried to ugly it up to, to stay in it because it was pretty clear that they were not making shots against this Mavericks defense. Uh, and it almost worked. I mean, they had 15 offensive rebounds. Uh, they had chance. They had a 103-100 lead late in the game. And then the Mavericks ripped off seven in a row, uh, you know, with two, with a couple of threes uh, by Bullock and, and by Finney Smith down the stretch. So uh, it was a very interesting game in, the, in that sense. We just don't see these types of games too often. But like you said, it, it's very rewarding when you see Luca struggle and being able to trust the guys that he has on the floor and for those guys to reward his trust. Um, in particular, looking at the, like, I didn't think about it in the moment, and I don't think we talked about it enough on our Slack, but what another massive game uh, for Spencer Dinwiddie. Like, I'm just kind of thinking back the sequences in my head and thinking about, you know, what the Mavericks were doing when he was on the floor for 28 minutes, and he scored 20 points in 28 minutes on 7 of 12 shooting. Cut to the free throw line six times. Like he, his minutes, I think, were so huge considering when he was playing and how well the Mavericks played when he was on the floor. One of the biggest things with him is that he, the Mavericks don't have to change their offense to let him play. Like he is also a giant pointer, but he can get to the rim. And it's the ideal version of Luka where they can run pick and rolls and let him in. He can get to the rim. He didn't miss from uh, two point range today. Like he, so every, every shot that he took within the three-point line he made um he he just he did a really good job of and i've mentioned this before he's super he's relentless like he Mm -hmm. gets he just gets to the room he puts so much pressure on the defense i mean it's it's fun like i figured this out that like fans of every team complain about officiating and players getting to the to the uh free throw line but foul drawing is a skill and one of the things that he does is he gets to the rim and like he 
he he makes it hard on officials just like Luca does and just like several other players do and that there's going to be contact and he get and the way he gets there and the way he creates the contact it does put pressure on officials to call something one way or the other and tonight he was five of six from the free throw line um he just and the main thing is is there's always between him, Brunson, and Luca. There is always going to be someone that you are super comfortable having the ball. And there's not like with Brunson, and I don't mean this to be anyway a a knock on Brunson, but we have seen at times that length can take him out of his game because Dinwiddie is so big and athletic. There's there's really not that. I mean, he's he's he'll have bad games. Like I'm not saying that he's bad game proof or that he can't be defended, but there you can't just take him completely out of the game the way teams have done to Brunson in the past. And that means the Mavericks always have to have someone like that on the court between him and Luca. And it's a huge blessing. Yeah. And it's really nice. Uh, those Dinwiddie Brunson bench lineups when Luca goes off the floor. I mean, with the way Dinwiddie's playing, the Mavericks really aren't dropping off that much. I don't have the numbers, but I'm sure those Dinwiddie Brunson lineups are just cruising uh, since uh, Dinwiddie got traded over here. Uh, and you used a really good term, relentless. I wrote a couple of days ago, like watching the way Dinwiddie continually attack the rim. It feels like an NFL running back that just constantly chugs out like three yards of carry in the first half. And then in the second half, the defense is so tired of tackling him that he, he starts ripping off those big 20, 15, yeah, 20 big, yard runs. And it feels like, it's, yeah, yes. It's just like he will break a defense down because it is so exhausting. It must be so exhausting to try to guard him and and keep him out of the paint because he can get there without a screen. And that's man, that's not something the Mavericks have had from non-Luca player in a very long time. It feels like. Yeah, it, it's not. And then speaking of being exhausted, I mean Dwight Powell. Yes, that man. I owe that man so much of an apology. Uh, I mentioned this to Kirk the other day. He uh, he. I spent most of last year on my Facebook complaining that the Mavs needed to get rid of him and that he shouldn't start and yada, 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 which plenty of Mavericks fans have done on social media over the years. But all that man does is go out there and play absolutely as hard as he can all the time. And at times the team asked too much of him, but he basically played close to, I mean, obviously he doesn't receive as much defensive attention, but the battle between him and Carl Anthony Towns was a lot closer to a draw than that matchup should ever be. Like Towns had 22 points and eight rebounds. Uh, Powell had 22 points and eight rebounds. I mean, it's their statistical line. I, I realize that Towns draws more attention and everything, but their statistical lines are almost identical. And that's that's just a credit to how hard Powell plays. And I mean, it's not easy if you've ever been a, a big in a pick and roll. It's not easy to rim run as hard as he does. Like a lot of people would complain when we had Willie Colley Stein and everything, when he would just laze about after setting a pick. And it it takes way more energy than people realize to screen hard, to actually set a screen and then roll to the rim hard every time, knowing that you're only going to get the ball five to six times a night. Um, on that on that role, but he does it even when he doesn't get the ball. And I really thought that he did a good job as a short roll playmaker. Um, right before Dorian and Reggie had the back to back threes, he made a really good play. Dorian missed the three, but he did a great job as a short roll playmaker, getting Dorian a wide open look. And that's a really important thing for him because the way teams are going to defend Luca, they're going to make the Mavs bigs beat them. And so it's important that they be able to do that because they're going to have to in the playoffs for it to work. Yeah, exactly. And you're right. And now on the head with the passing, I mean, 
He only had two assists in the box score because some guys missed some shots, but the number that really stands out when you consider the opportunities he had in that four-on-three short roll, he had zero turnovers. Um, he plays pretty smart in, in that situation. He's he's obviously not a Draymond Green. He's not going to wow you, but he seems to make the, the smart, correct decision almost every time, uh, and that's really all you can ask for from a guy like him. Uh, and it was really fun to watch him, you know, the matchup with Towns. I mean – Powell is just so quick, and I know that Towns is getting better uh, as a defender, but, I mean, he, it felt like times he was just running circles around him and, and just the way he was able to get to the rim and leave Towns kind of flat-footed in that pick-and-roll in no man's land and, and and get to the basket really quick for the for, for alley-oops, uh, for dump-offs and things like that. And like you said, it is a skill. It's not just standing there. You know, it's not like you can just take any big and, and put him in Powell's spot and get the same results because I mean, the Mavericks have done that with other bigs and it just doesn't seem to work. And you wonder why it's because Powell's really good at this. Um, and I feel like his I think I can't remember what he scored in the first half. I feel like he was like at, at somewhere like around 14 or, or 16 points in the first half. And I feel like his presence in the first half kind of is what, I mean, didn't win his minutes were huge, but the Mavericks, lost every quarter except the second quarter and that second quarter where they outscored the wolves by 12 like pal's fingerprints were all over that quarter and his energy um his hustle but also just the fact that offensively he outplayed towns for a quarter just by you know being quick and and getting to the rim as fast as he could and and playing off of his playmakers and they put towns in a lot of difficult positions offensively for him to guard because he i felt like he was in no man's land a lot whether he was switched onto Luca or kind of in that weird, you know, not not blitzing but not totally dropping, you know, defensive level yeah. in the pick and roll, and 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 that's the key. And if you can do that, uh, you know, you can score a lot of points on this Timberwolves team. Well, yeah, and then that's also one thing that this is not a Mavericks thought, but that's one of the things that separates Towns from a guy like Embiid is just how huge Embiid, like we saw Embiid give us a lot of problems with that because of how huge he is, that even when he was in that semi-drop, not complete drop, but in the middle in basically no man's land, he's so huge that the lob is never an easy pass over him anyway. And for Towns, he just, he he doesn't have that defensive component to his game, which is very odd because he was thought of as a, as a, fantastic defensive prospect like people thought his defense was going to be better than his offense when he was drafted like which is it's kind of hilarious but he what what i think with Powell is is pal pal's not going to win you a ton of games but he's not going to lose you games either but his combination of effort and intelligence has gotten to the point that it is just, he is an extremely competent player and that that's a big thing i mean luca is there to win you games it's kind of it's for the other guys to not lose and I, I think that's really what he's been doing is just he's been bringing a lot and he he hasn't done anything catastrophic. And that's important. Yeah, I mean, it got to the point where when Powell picked up his sixth foul, both me and you in Slack were like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, uh, we were a little worried how they were going to finish the game because, you know, we've kind of talked a lot about everything. And it's unfortunate we have to talk about this in a win, but the reason why we both went, uh Oh, is because we thought that meant Maxi Kleba was going to finish the game. And, um, yeah, boy, I just don't know what else to say that me and Kirk have already said that we've written on the site, but he's just, he's in one of the worst slumps I've seen from a Maverick player in a long time. And 
Yeah, he's I, six. For, yeah. He he's six for thirty-eight from three <laughs> since the All Star break, which is Man. like fifteen point seven percent. And now for the season, he is at exactly forty point zero percent from the floor, not from three, from the floor. Like <sighs> I, I kind of think what they've got to do, and I know it sounds weird. I would like to see them have him just hard roll, like tell him to mm-hmm. do the power. But the problem is, is, even when he's been at the rim, like several of the games, he he's pump fake layups like eight yes. times. Like mm-hmm. he he's scared of. I mean, I don't I don't know Mexico, but I don't want to say scared because that's. But the to a casual viewer, it it comes off as though he is scared at, at the moment. He's scared to shoot from anywhere, and it's. I don't want this to come off as too negative on Cleveland because his defense is important. And if his defense wasn't important, then his offense wouldn't matter. The mask could just not play him. But I recognize how valuable he is. And especially when he's making threes, when he's both a floor spacer and a defender, how valuable he is, what, what a unique skill set that is. However, at the moment, he is not a floor spacer, whether or not whether or not you think he is, because nobody's guarding him. Like, and he's not shooting uh, today. He was a little more willing to shoot. He shot six threes, but honestly, given the way they were guarding him, he probably should have shot in ten or twelve. Which, wow, it was. <laughs> I mean, there was that. And who knows but, what would have happened if he sh- if he shot ten or twelve? But um, that does bring up too, though, with the closing lineup and that. That my favorite mm-hmm. thing about about the current team is that that there is no one with an ego that you have to placate other than Luca, and I don't mean that to mean you have to placate Luca, but Luca is obviously going to be in every closing lineup. Like they set Bronson for parts of the closing lineup, they didn't bring Dinwiddie back until like a little less than three minutes were left. Uh, they set Maxi for parts and played uh, the Dorian uh, Bullock Luca front court. Like they they changed it around within the closing lineup. And that's just not something a ton of NBA teams do. And it's especially not something the Mavericks have been able to do because when KP was healthy, he was going to have to close no matter matchups, whatever. Right. And, and I don't mean that to be, to be disrespectful to KP. Like I, I wish him the absolute best in Washington, but it's just, it's a different dynamic. And I personally, I thought this was a really well coached game by kid. Like at the end, I thought he, he called a lot of things that we haven't necessarily like, going to the super small ball and then bringing back Maxi back for defense. And I just thought in general that he coached a good game, but it helps to be able to coach a good game because nobody's going to throw a fit that they got pulled for 30 seconds at a time there. Yeah, totally. And I, I the, the, when Powell got, when Powell fouled out and we were both like, uh Oh, I think the, uh Oh was, does that mean Maxi's playing the last four? I can't remember when Powell fouled out, but like the last, three four minutes of the game and like you said to the coaching staff's credit he didn't put pal in right away he rolled with the dorian bullock uh front court and door you know dorian at the five lineup and it worked um the mavericks scored two straight layups and then made it got an offensive rebound and dorian hit that three uh and the mavericks took the lead and they never gave it back and never even was a tie game after that so uh, I just love, like you said, the versatility in the lineups right now. And I think that can only happen, you know, with a new set of eyes that are looking at the roster. And for as much as I had my my doubts about the Jason Kidd hire in terms of just from a basketball point of view, I don't want to get into it on the other end, my other doubts about it. But uh, just from pure basketball perspective, I was just worried about tactically how the Mavericks would, would fare because of that's usually been kids 
weakest point in his previous stops. And to his credit, it seems to be a major positive for him, whether it's out of bounds plays or, or, or um, you know, out of time after timeout plays. Uh, the Mavericks are very good there. And like you said, he's very prone to mixing up the lineup, mixing up the rotation because I feel like with a new coach, it's like, hey, I don't like. I haven't coached Powell or I haven't coached Maxi for four or five years. Like I don't owe him minutes. Like he can kind of throw that throw around a little bit more authority there in terms of mixing things up because he hasn't coached these guys for six years, you know, like Rick Carlisle did and Rick developed relationships. And when there's relationships, there's agendas and, and mouths that you need to feed and placate and all that stuff. And like you said, it's not necessarily because guys have egos. It's just, kind of the way it is so like to see kid come in and not necessarily have a history with these guys and allowing that to like free him up maybe to try some different lineups has been fun and i think that's what won him the game and in part to a lot of other reasons but the fact that he was able to be like all right no pal let's just play finney smith and we'll we'll sub in kleba situationally like that was awesome yeah um that and then the other thing with kid that i find strange or that I'm I'm super pleasantly surprised about is that I think he's done a fantastic job of letting his his staff work for him and that the Mavs have a really good coaching staff. Sean Sweeney is a very good defensive mind. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name because I'm terrible at it, but Igor is a very good offensive mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and he deserves a ton of credit for that. The best coaches allow their assistant coaches to do things too. And I was a little worried because kids had power struggles at his other stops that he wouldn't be as willing to do that. But from what I can tell, kid has done a great job of allowing basically the coordinators. I don't, I mean, it's not football, so there's not straight up just <laughs> an a defensive coordinator, but that's also something that the 2011 Mavs did. Um, like for as great of a coach as Carlisle is, and he's a fantastic coach. Terry Stotts is one of the best off. Like at that time was, was probably the best offensive assistant coach in basketball. And Dwayne Casey was a really good defensive coach. And so he had a really good staff. And I think we get too big into a mindset of focusing on just the head coach. Whereas I think it's really the staff matters more than we think, but they can only be allowed to shine if the coach lets, if the head coach lets them and doesn't, you know, worry about not getting enough credit or whatnot. And kid hasn't done that at all. And that is a very pleasant surprise for me. Yeah, totally. Uh, I couldn't set it better myself. Uh, And it's just, it's making these games a lot of fun to watch. And especially when the Mavericks win, um, yeah, that makes it even better. But I think, you know, we're running out a little bit, running out of time here. I've said all I needed to say, Matthew, do you have any other closing points or are you ready to get out of here? Uh, the only last thing I've got is that one of the things that makes that the versatility of Dorian and them being able to close to is how huge Luca is. And yeah. it, just, it helps that we get to take advantage of that with the new lineup. That's really the last thing I've got. Yeah, totally. When your point guard is 6'7", um, that makes things a lot easier in terms of being able to mix and match uh, for sure. But, yeah, let's get out of here. Again, solid win. Uh, Mavericks desperately, desperately needed it. We can't emphasize enough how weird things could have gotten if the Mavericks lost this game. And to be honest, they're not out of the woods yet. Um, They still have a couple of games coming up in the next week that they need to take care of. They play Wednesday uh, at home against Houston, and then Friday they go to Minnesota, and then Sunday they play uh, back in Dallas uh, against Utah. And if the Mavericks can get those Minnesota and Utah games, that will go a long way towards them not only shutting the door on any potential uh, play-in disaster scenarios, but also creep them uh, into the home court advantage slot in the Western Conference. So 
this is going to be a huge week. I feel like, you know, maybe by Sunday night after that Jazz game, we might have a little, um, maybe the most clear idea of where the Mavericks are going to seed uh, in quite some time because it feels like they've been in that fifth seed for for like 80 years. So we'll see. This is going to be a big week. But again, Mavericks take care of business. Matthew, thanks for joining me tonight. It was great to have you on. Thanks for having me. Yep. So this is Josh Bow, MavsMoneyBall.com. Check the site. We'll have recap, reactions, all that good stuff uh, for the rest of this week. Again, Mavericks beat the Timberwolves 110-108. This is MMB After Dark and Josh Bow, and we will talk to you next time.